0: Ted Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Michael. Still Kent. i still Ethan. And today we're going to continue a conversation that we started in the last episode of the Boulder for Ted Podcast.
1: So I'm looking at our video list and our best performing one, can you guess which one that might be? Cantina? Yeah. That has 8,600 views. Not bad. Some of our stuff
0: on the SoundCloud is doing pretty well. We've got a recording from... Uh, Music of Harry Potter, and that's had more than 8,000 listens. Really? Wow. Yeah. And uh, the tray pack from Nutcrackers got 948. That's not bad. Pretty good. Super Mario, 665. Oh, one more play and we'll have the number of the beast. (laughs) We should turn it into Wario. Oh, man. Cantina Band. 34,000. Now, what's interesting is SoundCloud's got some
1: uh, charts that you can look at. And if you look at the chart for daily plays, there's these big bar charts that show you plays. And then if you hover over it, it shows you what piece each got. Usually, Cantina Band has like this massive part of the, the bar, and then like the Tray Pack has this tiny little minuscule thing on top of it. And then, if you're really careful, you can hover over the pixel on top of that, mm-hmm. which says <laughs> Others. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you which one of our tracks is doing really
0: well. Mm. So, we got more than 30,000 for Cantina Band. Guess how many listens our podcast, episode 28, has received? Attack of the Basal Ganglia. I'm looking at it so I can't guess. Oh. Four?
2: I'm going to say 50.
0: Twelve. Aww. Twelve people. I and mean, actually, I think I'm one of them.
1: we got a like out oh. of it, though. That's not a spam like, is it? I think no, it is. it's not.
3: <laughs> Sometimes you get these... How can you tell the difference between a like and a spam like? Usually the
1: spam likes have uh, women with large chests in the... In, uh, uh, what? A suggestive like... pose... And then you go to their uh, SoundCloud profile and it's a link to some other site. So, yeah, that's usually a pretty good
0: tip off. (laughs) That describes the typical Boulder Bassoon Quartet fan. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, there's a little look at our online presence. Yes. You want to make it big in the bassoon world, you play Cantina Band. Pro tip. (laughs) Pro tip. (laughs) <laughs> we should do a master class. We go to some university and do a master class, and all we did was play cantina band. <laughs> and we say, "Hey guys, you want to make it big? This is what you gotta do." We handle it like a excerpt master class. Right. Here's how to play.
1: Now your turn. Okay, that's not bad, but can you play it with a little bit more feel of an alien? <laughs> Think alien. Okay, try it again.
0: You know, honestly though, that would still be better than some of the master classes
2: I've seen. <laughs> Think alien. <laughs> That's true. It gets aliens. pretty out there, mm-hmm. some of them.
0: <laughs> well some of them are just so boring. <clears throat> if you were to say try play it like more of an alien, that would actually yeah. offer more for the student than <laughs> some of this other stuff. That's way. I heard a real horror story. A couple of years ago, this guy who was a principal bassoonist of, uh, of an orchestra, and he went to a school, which is a major school in the field of music. Like, if you think of top five schools, it's one of those. And he was working on audition excerpts, and one of the students went to play Marriage of Figaro, and screwed it up by, like, the third note, and laughed, ha, ha, ha. You know, so the guy running the master class said, look, this is, let's take this seriously. You're going to spend all this money and all this time going to an audition and you just got cut by the third note. Mm-hmm. And like the whole studio just kind of blew it off and didn't really seem to take it seriously. But they continued with the master class, of course. And then they got to a guy and he wanted to play Send it in the Clowns and he <laughs> wanted to like, really, truly really work on it because he was going to play it in a recital. So the master class technician said, all right, let's do this. And he got all serious, and they worked on Sending the Clowns. And he's like, tell me, what is your artistic vision of the piece and all this kind of stuff? The whole thing was really sad, because this was a big powerhouse for you know bassoon students. You wanted to get a really good job. This was a good place to go study. And now they're working on Sending the Clowns. (laughs) clarify for me are, are you saying that the master clinician
3: was a graduate of a big or this master class
0: happened at a big important music school the master class happened at a big important music school the, the master class guest did not go to that school he just happened to work not too far away okay and came in to uh, to work with the students huh. and left heartbroken <laughs> <laughs>
3: Props for thinking outside the box for recital literature?
0: No. (laughs) Send in the clowns. No props. (laughs) No props. (laughs) Much shame. Much (laughs) shame. What's the best masterclass you guys have seen or been a part of? That was that oboe.
1: Uh, There was an oboe masterclass when we went to the IDRS in Tempe. And he just had some general musical ideas that transcended... Either bassoon or oboe. That I thought he he was very well spoken. He got right to the point. He knew what he was talking about, and he expressed it very well, which was something that a lot of the teachers that week could not say.
0: Yeah, that seems to be a big problem for so many master classes. A lot of these people, you know, are really good musicians, but they don't know why or how they got to that point. It happens, quote, naturally for them, and as a result, they don't know how to teach somebody who can't do what they've been doing for decades. And they have a lot of trouble articulating what it is that they're trying to get at as well. Yep, agreed. Do you remember that guy's name? I wish I did. I don't. I heard it not too long ago, too. What about you, Mike? What's your favorite master class? Mm Hmm you Ethan what was your favorite class?
2: <laughs> The one that came to mind was the Chris Millard one which was really good that was in Utah uh, right yeah in Utah at ERS that one was really good and then the one that I think could have been so good and had so much potential was the Judy the Player master class
0: I was really looking forward to that one too oops <laughs> 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 so what went wrong with that was that the
2: players just uh, weren't wasn't... up to snuff yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite sending the clowns, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was it was one of the things where what do you say when you not you're not playing the right notes and you're playing way out of tune and you're not playing the right rhythms and I mean,
0: there was one guy working on Shahrazad and she said, "I want you to play this just for right now with no change to the tempo. Don't allow the tempo to fluctuate at all." And he just couldn't do it. And she. We, she tried a couple of times to uh, to get this guy to just play with a straight tempo and he just couldn't do it and like it was awkward <laughs> for everybody everybody's sitting there like, "Oh, this is kind of a waste of time, yeah. um, but what can you do? you know this this kid's really struggling." Yeah, she was working with some students who were not ready to to work with something like that
2: yeah okay. and if, and if that was particularly an interesting experience with the the tempo changes because I remember the first lesson where I realized that about my own playing like where I sat down and they said play this and don't vary the tempo at all and I came to this realization of how hard that really is and how much little Roboto here and there you'll put in maybe inadvertently or you don't quite know what the tempo you're going for is or whatever it is and so it took a lot of hours of, like, woodshedding in the practice room to get that right. So if no one had ever told you that...
0: What excerpt was that?
2: It was just a mildy uh, concert study. Yeah,
3: yeah. I saw a master class on phrasing by Mr. Winstead that I enjoyed a lot. And I think some of it was that I was a pretty young bassoonist, but there were a lot of ideas in that that made me think about... Uh, trying to tackle the instrument and trying to express phrases in different ways. But I think maybe my favorite masterclass, several years ago at the Aspen Music Festival, I saw a violinist named Mr. Cantor. I think his first name is Paul. Paul Cantor. He used to teach at Cleveland, I think he teaches at Rice now. But the the students that were playing for him were shredding on the violin. They were killer. But the thing that was really great about it was that he was very distinctly able to treat each of the students as uh, an individual and uh, even though all the students had really great technique uh, each of them kind of had different strengths and he was able to bring up their strengths individually and he was able to kind of pinpoint areas for improvement. It seems like such an obvious thing this is what a master teacher should do Um, but he did it more effectively I think than anybody I've ever seen. Which it's is really a impressive. completely different
1: skill than playing your instrument.
3: Yeah. yeah. Teaching? You
1: really, uh, yeah. Teaching it, especially oh. effectively like that. Yeah. That's really cool.
0: This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast is brought to you by Forests Music. For all your double read needs, head on over to forestsmusic.com. You can even find, from the opposite shore, the first Boulder Bassoon Quartet CD. This past week, one week before final
3: exams, one of my theory lab students came to office hours. She was struggling with rhythmic dictations (laughs) and rhythmic execution. So I asked her to get out her metronome, and apparently for the entire semester she's not had or owned or even thought to use a metronome. Where did she finally get her metronome when I insisted that she purchase one? From forestmusic.com.
0: Forestmusic.com, the home of all the materials needed for the most horrible students you've ever come across.
1: <laughs> 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 Double reed supplies and metronomes. Forests.com. Dang it. Double read supplies and metronomes. Forestsmusic.com. Just
3: in time. <laughs> Ooh. What about double read supplies and a sense of rhythmic integrity just in time at forestmusic.com
0: <laughs> The sense of rhythmic integrity is not bad. <laughs> the, uh, uh, rhythmic integrity meets business integrity at forestmusic.com Okay. <laughs> That's, pretty That's pretty good. For relaxing times, <laughs> Make it Suntory Time at <laughs> I'm trying to think of my favorite. And the ones that I remember most clearly are the ones that were big disappointments. <laughs> 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 Which is pretty dark. I played in that one for Chris Millard and I really enjoyed that. I think everything that he had to say was really uh, thoughtful and well articulated and interesting. remember he played the solo from Ravel's El Barada, which has that beautiful lyrical bassoon solo. Two notes with the glissando he would bend the pitch from the first note down to the, the last one and uh, he's like this is something you don't want to do unless you've got tenure but <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> nice. I enjoy doing this
2: <laughs> it was an interesting choice yeah I remember that part of the, the class too because then he played the nucio um, variations and he did that he did a glissando in one of in one of the movements and I <laughs> thought wow Uh (laughs) that's pretty (laughs) it worked He's just going for it
0: (laughs) (laughs) well to wrap up this episode let's uh, let's go out on a tune that we can dedicate to one Mr. Rain Wilson for no good reason whatsoever here's a clip from a performance of ours uh, just a year ago in Louisville, Colorado this is a tune by the Beatles
3: Uh, it's not for no reason whatsoever it's dedicated to someone very special Mr. Rain Wilson, this is what bassoons can really sound like. Okay. <laughs>